back to the Jambase podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, a podcast network for music. This episode features my interview with Adrian Casada, who this year released not one, but two really terrific solo albums, Jaguar Sound and Boleros Psychedelicos. We'll hear my interview with Adrian, who also makes up one half of the duo Black Pumas, in just a moment. First, thanks to all of you out there for listening to the Jambase podcast throughout 2022. This episode is going to be the last one of the year, as we take some time off over the holidays. We're actually going to be taking an extended break from publishing new episodes. After over five years and more than 150 episodes, this will be our first planned extended hiatus, which will give us some time to refocus and regroup. Have no fear, the Jambase podcast will return in early 2023, and we may even drop one-off episodes here and there during the hiatus. We have a few new ideas we're kicking around and are brainstorming others as we look to fine-tune what we do here at the Jambase podcast. There will always be interviews with some of our and your favorite musicians, but we may start mixing it up next year with alternate formats, special series, and other enhancements. I speak for all of us at Jambase when I say thank you for listening to the podcast, for sharing it with others, for subscribing. You're subscribed already, right? And for giving it positive reviews and ratings. Stay tuned for what's in store for 2023. It's sure to be another excellent year for the Jambase podcast. Thanks also to our many sponsors over the past year. Your support is greatly appreciated. All right, let's get to the last interview of 2022, which is my recent chat with Adrian Casada. We started by discussing Adrian's impressive year, which, as I mentioned, saw the release of two solo albums, Jaguar Sound and Bolero Psychedelicos. The albums were the first time Adrian, who, along with Black Pumas, has been affiliated with several other bands, released records under his own name. The two albums share a similar vibe, but have a stark contrast. Jaguar Sound is entirely instrumental, while Boleros features guest singers on each track. Jaguar Sound is vibey, beat-driven, and cinematic that makes my head bob with every listen. Boleros, which is a style of Spanish love ballad that Adrian explains the origins of in the interview, takes that format and brings it into the present, with a modern flavor that stays true to the tradition. I really enjoyed my time with Adrian, and if you haven't yet, be sure to check out both of his 2022 solo albums, Jaguar Sound and Boleros Psychedelicos. So here's the final jam-based podcast interview of the year. My chat with Adrian Casada which we'll lead into with a bit of the Jaguar soundtrack, Noble Metals. Adrian Casada, we, we are going to talk about not one but two of your albums that have come out this year. Boleros, P- P- I was going to get it right. Psychedelicos. Psychedelicos and Jaguar Sound. Um, two fantastic albums. They're out on ATO Records now. Um, you know, we're, we're at that time of year where you kind of start looking back and, and assessing the year that's gone by. And I'm wondering if, if you've started doing that at all. This has been pretty pretty eventful for you 2022 are you how, how are you assessing it so far you know uh, literally in the last 48 hours did i just start to kind of process the magnitude of this year you know yeah. i'm not i'm yeah. not fully there yet but i just i just started to like it just hit me you know you can feel mm-hmm. 
the holidays coming on and then you can kind of feel like people starting to shut down and, and, uh, for the end of the year and just seeing some of these like end of year lists and things like that. Um, I feel like I'm just starting to, so maybe we'll, we'll do a follow-up where I have uh, fully processed it, but yeah, well, man, well, it's starting to, I'm starting to grasp it for sure. What are your sort of initial sense of, what are you taking <laughs> away right now? Um, uh, you know, obviously putting out two albums in a year, you know, consumed a lot of, a lot of, uh, my time in terms of, you know, get, you know, I, I've, I recorded both records in pretty much in 2020, but having them come out, you know, obviously there's a lot of work, uh, as somebody mm -hmm. once told me the once you put out the album is when the work really starts. So, uh, <laughs> you know, t talking a lot about, about it and stuff and talking about yourself is always a little bit weird anyways. So that that's kind of draining for somebody who's an introvert, you know, so that, you know, just talking about the, the music obviously puts you in a point of reflection and, and the music was actually made during a weird time. It was made during the pandemic. So like they're, they're very much like a moment in time for me as a snapshot of what that was like. And that was a really emotional time for, for everybody. You know, the first couple yeah. of months were like awesome and party and everybody was just drinking more and free <laughs> and doing whatever. And then it got really intense, you know, for a long time. So uh, and then on top of that, just the year was, was, you know, busy, busier than usual anyway. So been a, been a crazy year. Yeah. I talked to Sylvan Esso after they had released their album and they kind of equated it to like one of their, like a kid going off to school. It's like this, this thing that's very personal to you. And then you put it out in the world and it becomes part of the world. Have you experienced that? And, and like twice now this year, is that something that you've gone through? Absolutely. And not only that, uh, but these are my first albums that I ever put out under my own name. Uh huh. So there's a vulnerability that comes with that too, you know, like yeah. to not be able to hide behind like a project name or a moniker or, a, mm -hmm. or, a, you know, a partnership with, other, with another band member. Uh, it's really, it's really vulnerable to, to do that, especially somebody who, you know, I was uh, having to make some, some merch, some t-shirts for some shows that I played, um, for the Boletos album in uh at acl here acl fest and we were mm -hmm. making some t-shirts of the album cover and i had them remove my name from it i'm like that's just awkward i don't want people <laughs> with my name on a t-shirt like that's just the weirdest yeah. thing and uh, everybody was like what are you talking about we have to sell these t-shirts and it's the name of the album and i'm just a weirdo like that in general so yeah it's it's a really um yeah, I mean, vulnerable is the only word I could think of that sums it up best to put music, to put art out like that and then have people react to it in real time, you know? What What do you think made you want to to put records out under your own name? You've you've been a part of so many other projects so far. It, it, now, <clears throat> what what made it happen now? Uh, I think the fact that, you know, during isolation, I mean, for Jaguar Sound, I was completely isolated and doing it you know obviously i had a lot of friends help out with the with the music but at this point it's like i can't really come up with i can't start another band name because ever or put another name out because everybody thinks i'm starting another band and i think i've already cashed out uh <laughs> max, maxed out how many band names i've been a part of you know because i've been a part of five or six bands or so um at some point there's some people that still think I'm in six bands and I'm like, no, that was <laughs> 10 years ago or whatever. So at this point I was like, I can't, I can't really do that anymore. Or it's just going to become kind of a joke. So I just, I just said, you know, screw it, man. Here's it's the time to just, you know, take ownership and put my name on it. Had these, had the, had the songs that were, that make up these records, had they been 
cultivating inside you over the over the past few years or or was this sort of born of the the pandemic and the lockdown and having that time Jaguar Sound was actually done first that that came out second so Boleros came out first and then Jaguar Sound just came out about a month ago uh uh-huh. Jaguar Sound was actually recorded first and that one was completely done start to finish during the first few months of the pandemic that was music that <clears throat> You know, it's it's weird with instrumental music. Sometimes people don't quite, uh, because there are no words on it, uh, don't really think of a particular emotion or a feeling that came with it. Um, but it, but to me, there they have a really specific emotion that I was feeling that came out of the pandemic. And like I said, it started with um, just kind of being ecstatic to have all this free time, and and so that music came from scratch. You know, came out of like thin air of of what I was. Um, inspired by at the time and doing and then uh the boleto psychedelicos album has a few covers on it that had that i had always wanted to kind of um make a project sort of out of it in that direction with that concept so that that music had sort of been brewing in my head for years but hadn't actually been i hadn't actually sat down and and written it you know there's there's a cohesiveness between the two records but they're obviously different one's instrumental one one has vocals but did you specifically set out to, to, were you ever like when, when you did Jaguar sound, did you know that that was going to be a separate project from Boleros and were you, were you intending it to be instrumental? Yeah. So Jaguar sound, I actually wanted to put out, um, during the pandemic, I wanted to put it out like two months after I finished it. I was like, I want to get this out right now because it was such a moment in time. It like, it just reminds me of what, my life was like those few months and, and, uh, mm-hmm. I really wanted to get it out then. And actually was going to call it Quarantino was what I wanted to call <laughs> the album and get it out. But, you know, obviously I'm just, a <clears throat> an artist. And once you kind of get into the logistics of talking to management and label and whatnot about, about releasing it through the proper channels, having physical product and they, you know, mm-hmm. they shut that down real quick. They're like, look, if we want this, <laughs> if you want the most years on it possible, we need to do this right. Find the window, yada, yada. And then I, mm-hmm. I ended up, so we kind of put it off into manufacturing because vinyl just takes forever now anyways. And then yeah. shortly thereafter, I completed the Boletos album. And then we just re- re- uh, decided to actually flip the order and do the it, the vocal album first and the instrumental album second. Got it. Got it. So but if it were up to me, uh, the Jaguar sound album would have been out like early 2020, you know? So were the were were they recorded quite separately then? It sounds like you you had had you completed Jaguar sound before you had moved on to Boleros. I think so. I think yeah. I I pro, if not one hundred percent complete, I was probably pretty damn close because I did that. I did that one really quick. I yeah. was up every night for many nights um, <clears throat> working on that, and that one that one came fairly quickly. And you did most of the instruments on that. One? A lot of them, uh, but then I ended up sending off uh, the, particularly the drums were all redone by my friend Jeff Franca, who who at the time, you know, uh, was just this little tribe of people that were recording at home that had hit me up and mm-hmm. just kind of uh, <clears throat> made their, you know, presence known like, hey, I'm recording. If you have anything, send it over. Here's some music I'm working on, yada, yada. I started trading music with friends like that and uh eventually replace the stuff that i'm just not good at you know the the drums and uh i think i i stayed on drums maybe one or two songs uh steve bidwell from black pumas played on 
one song and then uh keyboards also and then certain things that i don't play like strings and horns and stuff or other musicians and it, so it sounds like that was remotely you were working you were in yeah, your yeah. studio by yourself and working remotely had you done much of that type of recording before yeah absolutely and i actually really kind of enjoy working like that too i mean i don't think there's a um a process i perform prefer more because sometimes it is amazing being in the studio with a in a room with actual musicians uh but it's a different process and one I had done before for sure. I had done two albums with a, a good friend and collaborator of mine from the UK. His name's Sean Lee, producer. And we had a uh we did a couple albums called Electric Peanut Butter Company. Uh-huh. And that was it was called Transat Transatlantic. Uh how am I putting like I don't remember. Transatlantic something. And uh we did two volumes of that, and that was completely remotely. So like he was uh six hours ahead or seven hours ahead. I'd wake up in my inbox, I'd have a drum track or a bass track. I'd play to that, send it right back. And he would catch it by the end of the day, add something. And we usually would do like a song a day. That's cool. That's interesting though, because, you know, I've talked to a lot of musicians who once the pandemic hit and they had to record themselves or do these remote sessions, it was completely brand new to them. And and it sounds like you had a leg up on, on that and, and were able to, to kind of hit the ground running. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd very much done that. Even our second, uh, my second album with Sean Lee, the second electric peanut butter company album. I did that one on the road. I remember, uh, being on, on a tour on a promotional tour and we weren't making much money. So I just thought like, I'm going to figure out how to monetize this, this time in this situation. Cause you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, odd, oddly wasted time on, on tour. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I, I rolled with a little recording setup and we're doing it in hotel rooms and, and that's how I did most of it. So I was, I'm pretty, pretty used to working like that. And do, do you, are you, are you demoing out the songs like pretty full or are they coming to almost completion before you hand them off to the other people that are adding their parts? Yeah, for sure. Once I, you know, there's like, I'll make a quick demo but I don't like to get stuck too much on demos or, you know, what they call demoitis. So I, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. make for the, for the, uh, Bolettos album, because there was vocalists, I did make demos because I didn't want to, uh, commit to a key until I figured out what was a good key for them. And then, okay. uh, had to, had to be able to make quick changes on that too. So it did that. And then, but sometimes those just morph into the actual song. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And, and with, with Jaguar sound, it, it being instrumental and it's such a, a, a vibe record. Like there's such a tangible vibe th- throughout. Uh, how do you go about, like, what's your process for cultivating that? Like, how do you make sure you have the right vibe when you're writing, when you're recording and, and ultimately with what you come up with, with the song? Uh, I don't know what, which comes first, you know, like the vibe or the songs into the vibe, but it helps me finish something once I nail down. Um, but you know, the Bolettos album was a very specific concept that was like, I knew exactly what that was going to have to be like. And that helps me finish because I'm always sketching. So I have, you know, probably five uh, concept albums always started at any point, <laughs> you know, uh, oh, cool, cool. on a hard drive. I'm always just sketching stuff. And once it's kind of like cooking on, you know, all four burners. And once one thing is almost finished, then I turn the other ones down and get into that one and really, really fine tune it, finish it. And uh, so it helps me to have uh, a concept and, you know, with Jaguar sound, I probably made another 20 tracks that in that were in the, more in the beginning stages that weren't like as fleshed out that I started and 
kind of started to see it comes into focus, which ones go together and which ones provide kind of this, you know, uh, with instrumental music, it's kind of important to make it sort of a little bit of a cinematic experience because there, right. you know, obviously there's no words. So it just sort of comes into focus. Are you thinking visually? You mentioned cinematic. Are you <clears throat> thinking visually when you're making instrumental music like that? Sort of. Yeah, sort of. Uh, I, I have a visual arts background. I actually have a, I used to be a painter and okay. have a studio art degree. So I do very much uh, visualize things for sure. When you're, when you're making visual art, are you hearing things? I, you know, I don't really make visual art anymore, but I used yeah. to. Yeah, I used yeah. to. And, but I actually used to just listen to a lot of music and paint while I was doing that. And, you know, the other thing I, I find sort of interesting about instrumental music is the, the concept of, of the song being about something, right? Like, it, it's easy with with songs that have words. You can kind of figure out what the what the inspiration is or what the point of the song is do you when you are making these songs are you coming from them from a point of view are you thinking that way a lot of them a lot of them on this album yeah did definitely have some some motivation behind it that i was feeling what would be an example of that you think um you know the the first song is um a lot there's a lot of you now that i told you i'm a visual artist or i was a visual artist uh <laughs> There were a lot of, there's kind of a lot of visual art references in there that uh, reflection with two children, the the intro to the album, which is a theme that re repeats itself uh, throughout the album and in a few variations mm -hmm. is a reference to a work of art uh, that, uh, and I, I, you know, I have two children and I, you know, it was a, very, a heavy point of reflection. I had just seen that piece and was like, what a cool title yeah. to kind of play off yeah. of. And that was, you know, that was, I think like everybody else, we had tons of time to just kind of think about the future and, you know, have like these existential moments of, of uh, where we were in the world and what was going to happen to the world. We didn't know if the world was going to end in 2020 or yeah, we, you know, we were all going to pass to something. And um, so I was having a lot of reflection and my kids were home all of a sudden from school. And, you know, it was a rough, rough time for them, for, for young kids to, you know, they're so uh, yeah. such social creatures that, they were, they were kind of struggling at first. It was really fun. And, you know, there were moments of it being super fun at home and mm -hmm. then moments of them just really struggling through these formative years. So I, you know, a lot of it was, I was thinking a lot about that, about, uh, children and family and, and, uh, how it was affecting them. And then just other little things, you know, like uh, there was there's a song called Starry Nights. I'm I'm big into yeah. um, or big like super amateur, but just excited by uh, dark skies and and stars and things like that. And that's something we don't really get in the big cities, you know. Mm -hmm, and I live in mm -hmm. Austin and don't really ever get to see stars uh, in big cities because of all the light pollution. But because during the pandemic, you know, there was there was a couple articles I had read about how the how everybody being home and nobody really being out had done so much. We had seen so much, uh, it's kind of a little bit of a positive impact on the earth. Yeah. You know, our, the humans weren't like mm -hmm. taking this huge toll on the earth all of a sudden. And one of the, one of the things was that I actually started seeing stars again, cause there wasn't as much light pollution out there. There wasn't people uh -huh. driving, especially the first few months, like nobody was driving, nobody was going, literally nobody was going anywhere. Downtown yeah. was shut down. 
nobody was leaving their house. And uh, for the first time in a while, I started seeing stars again. And, you know, just to used to love to just go out there and look at stars and, and little practical things like that. You know, the, the album, uh, I, I, every morning, it was just so quiet everywhere at first. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, you know, this was like March, April, May, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so quiet outside all the time. And every morning I'd like walk outside and there were these birds. I'd record the birds all the time. And the album starts with the sound of those birds. So it was just very much a snapshot of everything, in, you know, in my life at that time. Well, I can, I can relate, man. I've got two young kids and uh, I love the stars. I'm, I'm a bit, we go up to the, I live in Minneapolis. So, so we go up to oh, the boundary cool. waters and the stars nice. up there. I mean, it's like, it's insane. It makes you, it, it, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it, you know? Um, For sure. Th- that, so those are obvious titles. Um, I'm curious though, too, with the rest of the titles on the album, like, because they are instrumental songs, do you... Do you consider the titles more because they perhaps convey more of a message than a song that has lyrics? Mostly, yeah. And there's probably a couple in there that were just like a funny demo title that I can't say that everyone has a a super deep meaning. A lot (laughs) of them probably I was thinking something. There might be a couple throwaways in there that were like a demo that I just had a clever title and came up with Mm -hmm. it. You know, so D- DG on the keys is pretty obvious, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that was an old, an old recording. Yeah, I had an old yeah. recording of him jamming on at my studio and uh, kind of re- brought it back to life and just a little nod to him. And and you had Neil Francis, a good friend of Jambase, the Jambase mm-hmm. podcast. Was is, is that he's on a, a few tracks, right? Yeah, I think he played on two, maybe three. Is that was that through the the label? Is that how you guys got connected? We, I already knew him because he had a uh, he had opened for Black Pumas on tour a oh, couple cool. on a couple of runs. So we had okay. just kind of stayed friends, and he's one of the friends that I knew was working on music at home during the pandemic. So he just hit yeah. me up and sent me some stuff he was working on, and I you know thought he would be perfect for nailing the vibe yeah. on those songs. Yeah, he's sick. He's a he's a good yeah dude. man. And then, so on Boleros, um, you know, I'm immediately attracted to to that title too, or intrigued by that title. Um, what what can you tell me about Boleros Psychedelicos? Like, what does that mean to you? So the uh, Bolero, you know, is is basically a ballad, you know, and it's a very traditional song form that that originated pro- likely in Spain, came through Cuba, and went to all over uh, Latin mm-hmm. America, but it's mostly, you know, there are these kind of like uh, romantic, tragic, like songs about heartbreak. And, you know, mostly there, obviously there's exceptions, but usually it's, it's uh, played on 
you know, acoustic instruments. It's sometimes got beautiful vocal harmonies, really amazing, timeless music. But to me, that uh, that was the kind of music I heard a lot when I was growing up around me because mm-hmm. I grew up on uh, on the border of Texas and Mexico. And but I didn't know that in the you know late sixties, early seventies, band young bands started to electrify, like play that with electric instruments and play yeah. with a drum kit and you know, a, a combo organ and a reverbed out guitar. You know, I read that um, the first band that I discovered that did did that uh, was called Los Pasteles Verdes, like the, the Green Cakes. And they were from uh, Peru. That was the first band I, I discovered like 20 years ago where I heard a song of theirs and was like, what? This is, it was like just mind blowing. But I read that they had actually um, heard the doors and they wanted to, sound like the doors so they like mimic the instrumentation of the doors which was you know organ guitar uh-huh, drum, whatever uh-huh. and they um just started to interpret these songs that they knew at, uh with oh, and wow. the drums were were funky uh-huh, you know it all uh-huh. sounds like they could be hip-hop samples and stuff so that was uh you know it was something that i had started calling that in my head i was always like cause i started co- collecting as much of that as i could thinking like it's like psychedelic bolero music mm-hmm, then i mm-hmm. read that somewhere one time and kind of ran, you know, a loose interpretation of it didn't like, not every song is, is exactly a bolero and not every song is totally psychedelic, but I decided it's nice to package it and present it to people with some sort of concept or theme. So do you think that with this record, you're trying to strike a balance between that past music from the mid seventies that, that inspired you and bring it into the present? Yeah, for sure. That, uh, I always try to make I never try to make anything that sounds exactly like an old record. You know, I try to right. li- get inspiration from it and then I sort of compare. But then at some point I had an inspiration playlist for that album that I was listening to all the time. But once I started working on the album, I mostly turned that off and didn't want to hear it anymore because I didn't want to like try to copy anything. I tried to do mm-hmm. everything myself. But there is some things that you have to keep the vibes sort of in that direction or it's or it loses some of its beauty and its poetry. You know, it's like a a yeah. movie like making a a movie now but put, putting an old movie in 4k hd just doesn't look right it's just not yeah. supposed yeah. to be like that you know there are some things that i like soft around the edges and um and i think that's just more pleasing on the ear to me and and did you always envision this as having a variety of vocalists joining you yeah for sure and there's not a lot it wasn't a really long list of <clears throat> potential vocalist for it because it's just a really specific way of singing yeah so it was a lot of uh there was a lot of other people we talked to as well and there was a couple people that just weren't really totally into the idea because it's such a specific thing that um but the list the list was pretty short and luckily most you know most of the people that we we talked to were really into it and they again were recording remotely yeah so that one was jaguar sound was done 100 nobody ever came into the studio boleros none of the vocalists ever came into the studio because that was still, you know, pandemic. And then on top of that, there was the fact that some of them are in, you know, Puerto Rico or Argentina, whatever, all over the world. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And it was just a difficult time to travel. So that one mostly was done remotely as well. Towards the end of it, I did have a few musicians come in to play, okay. but in the studio, but mo- I'd say 80% of it was done remotely as well. So was there a lot of back and forth with the vocalists to 
or, or, you know, like, was there a lot of sort of honing it in or were they giving you takes that you were just, that just killed it and you were like, sweet, let's go. A little bit of both. You know, there was, there were some that were just like the home run right out the gate. And there was some that honestly, they, they wanted more of an interaction. You know, there were some people that just sent me Mm -hmm. vocals and it was like, there it is. And I just made it work around it. And then there were some people that really wanted to, to dig in with me. So it would like, you know, send one verse and then hit me oh, back wow. with feedback and then I'd go back to them. And we did that a lot. So it was a little bit of both. I do feel like there were a couple of singers in particular that really pushed me to, to get out of my comfort zone with it. And it, I think it was for the better. You know? What's, what would an example of that be? Uh, That's the first song that Didas con Carino with, with the singer Ile from, uh, from Puerto Rico. She, I had, like I said, I had this inspiration playlist and a lot of it was kind of the same vibe. And she sent me a whole bunch of other songs as, as inspiration as well uh-huh. that were like different uh, instruments, different, you know, tonal qualities. And, and she really wanted to get the chorus, right. So she was like, you know, making sure like checking back, sending me a verse and then singing back what she heard. And I'd make adjustments and it was towards the end of the, the album. So that was, I think for the better that, that, uh, I didn't just make every song, you know, that I had some somebody else with some feedback musically. No estoy para aguantarme. Mentiras con cariño. Quiero algo verdadero. Es lo único que pido. That song's an original, right? Most of yeah. the songs on the album are original. Most, most of them are, yeah. Do, is is writing in Spanish? Is that something that you've done a lot of in your career? So I, I personally don't write the lyrics, so I, oh, okay. I haven't. You know, I don't write lyrics English or or Spanish, but I have worked on a Latin, you know, or, or Spanish based music before, yeah. So who wrote the lyrics for these songs? All the singers. All the they singers. just wrote their own lyrics. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. no kidding. That's really cool. So it was really, yeah. truly collaborative in that regard. For sure. Yeah, that's, I always prefer it that way. And then, but there are a couple of covers, right? There is a few covers. Yeah, there's the the Los Pastelas Verdes song that I that inspired me to do this in the first place. It's the first song I heard, uh, Esclavo mm-hmm. Yamo with Clavier. Yeah, she we that was I had to cover that one. It was just I just had to pay tribute yeah. to that. And then there were just a couple other songs that inspired me so much when working on the album that uh, I just was like, I'm not going to top this or do anything. I don't want to like rip it off and I'm not going to top it. So we might as well just cover it. Give it its own twist right? and, yeah, and yeah. bring it into the present. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, have you ever made the the playlist, the inspiration playlist public? <clears throat> I believe I shared it on as part of some article at some point. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to have to check that down. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm be super on Spotify, yeah. All right, cool. I'm going to find it, man. That's great. Well, I I, I got to say, I really enjoy these records. I, I've, Thank you. I've made a playlist with the two of them right back to back and just put it on shuffle. And the way that they all, like, it, it's just, it's a, it's a solid hour and 15 minutes of just really head bobbing, like beautiful lyrics, beautiful vocalists. Um, I, I, I just, I, I'm really, really fond of both the records, man. And, uh, hey, I appreciate uh, it, man. You know, congrats on a, on a big year for you on your, on t- two solo records. What's, what's coming up for next year? Um, working, I actually just started Boletos too. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I started that, that, uh, 
uh, process and and did it with everybody in the room for the or, or the 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 musicians in the room because I'm gonna you know still do kind of the same process with the vocalist but mm-hmm. so just last week recorded about ten new oh, songs sick. instrumentals completely start to finish so that's kind of what I'm starting at the moment. Cool, looking forward to that, man. Uh, anything with the Black Pumas? Uh, we'll probably resume, you know, the uh, the album at some point here soon, you know. But um, yeah. at the at the moment, that was all of our touring for yeah. the next while until there's new music out there. So, gotcha, cool. Well, looking forward to whatever comes, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. All right, you stay safe out there, and uh, all right, you too, man. Take care. All right, cheers. Thank all right. you. Yeah, man. final Jambase podcast episode of 2022. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been tuning in since 2017, thank you, thank you, thank you. We hope you're having as much fun as we are. Thanks to Adrian for taking the time to chat with me. Both of his terrific solo albums, Jaguar Sound and Bolero Psychedelicos, are out now. Jake Alexander helps us put together our podcast episodes. Thanks, Jake, for all the assistance over the years. We're going away for a few weeks, but we'll be back in early 2023 with new and exciting episodes. So stay safe out there, happy holidays, and go see live music.